I'm Bridget Stomberg. And I'm Lisa Simone, And this is Taxes for the Masses. This episode is on the 2024 mid-year meeting of the American Taxation Association. In February of 2024, over 200 of the nerdiest tax nerds from around the world gathered in the LBC, Long Beach, California, to discuss the latest in tax teaching and research. Today's episode, we break down the highlights of the conference and discuss two of the papers that were presented at the Conference of the Journal of the American Taxation Association, edited by your favorite Taxes for the Masses co-host, Lisa D. Simone. Hey, B. Hello, Lisa. It's kind of fun sitting here in Long Beach. It's fun sitting here with you. I don't know that it's fun sitting here in Long Beach in particular, but I'm I'm glad to be in a hotel room with you. You know, I, I agree. I expected it to be like this sort of beach haven paradise mm-hmm, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it turns out uh, where we are sitting right now could be any generic conference hotel anywhere in the world. It really could. We did... I'm jumping ahead, but we did get to see some of the, you know, sort of typical... Uh, uh, idyllic Southern California that I was envisioning. It just, we didn't get to see it. It, it took us an hour in an Uber to yes. get to see. We, we saw it from a car. Yes, we yes. did. <laughs> we did. It was a very scenic drive. It was. <laughs> a long and scenic drive. Um, yes, so we're here in Long Beach. Um, we're unfortunately not at the hotel that we uh, booked no. a reservation for no, because they don't seem to understand the notion of reservation. I think this was a Seinfeld episode. It was wasn't a very, it? Yeah. very good Seinfeld episode. And it was the first thing I thought of when mm-hmm. I got the email from the hotel saying, We know you have a reservation, but we are unable to accommodate you. A reserv- Ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, <laughs> Lisa is the queen of booking hotels like literally as soon as they become available. So you had this reservation for months. Yes. Apparently they're using the FIFO method. Uh, Yes. Damn it. First in, (laughs) first out. First out. So we got booted down the street. Mm -hmm. Um, We're at the lovely Weston Hotel, which is in the end a very good thing because the original hotel Mm -hmm. is under attack. Yes. Or construction. Yes. Mm -hmm. Probably construction. Yeah. But like very loud chainsaws, yes. tables, I don't know, saws of some mm-hmm. kind, things that are cutting things mm-hmm. very loudly. Apparently to late at night. Yeah, and from what we hear. From what we hear. And then um, during one of the presentation sessions today, it was just yeah. jackhammers yes. in the background while yes. trying to talk about taxes. Yes. So it's been a challenge. The hotel situation has not been the best in Long Beach. And to be clear, this isn't the fault of anybody no. who had anything to do with organizing this conference. No. We're going to blame this squarely on the Marriott Hotel Corporation. Yeah, I think it's safe. Safely done. Yep. All right. So um, why why are we here? What is, what is the conference? Yes. So um, as I told my colleagues, I was going to be out of town because I was going to be attending the annual Tax Nerd Conference. Yes. Which I think is essentially what this is. That's what I call it. Um, So the American Taxation Association hosts a mid-year meeting every Mm -hmm. February. And uh, this year, I think they said, what, over 220? 250. Over 250. Great. Excellent. Mm -hmm. Over 250 attendees. Uh, We congregate for about three days. There is a teaching conference. There is a doctoral conference. There is a research conference. Um, Lots of papers presented on lots of really wonderful different topics. And it's just a great opportunity to come to network, to see people we haven't seen in a while, learn about what people are researching, give your feedback. It's, It's just, it's a good time. 
And two of the sessions of this big mid-year meeting for the entire American Taxation Association Mm -hmm. are dedicated to the journal of the American Taxation Association, which I have the privilege of being the editor of. Yay! Which meant I had the privilege of planning those sessions. Yay! Uh, We had over 30 submissions, 35 submissions to be exact. Which was up from last year. Quite a bit up Mm -hmm. from last year. And we selected four papers for inclusion in the conference. And we're going to talk about two of them today. We are. And I am excited uh, to do that. So one of the things that I like about the uh, ATA mid-year meeting and the JADA conference in particular is, and I I think you did this intentionally and some prior editors have done it as well, is you try to get a mix of papers from different research methods. Yes. So for all of you non-tax academics out there, there are lots of different ways that you can address research questions. Mm -hmm. You can use what we call archival data. Someone has gone and collected it or you go ahead and you collect data yourself. And this is what you might think of as more um, typical statistics. You're running regressions, you're running correlations, you're doing all that mm-hmm. uh, good stuff. And, and um, it's only numbers, right? Mm-hmm. You're just, you're dealing with numbers. Then we also have some experimental research, mm-hmm. which is, I think what maybe people tend to think of when they think about research more generally, where you're going out, you're getting individuals um, and you're experimenting on them mm-hmm. and trying to see how they respond, maybe to a different, in this case, tax incentive or tax treatment or something like that. So you were very intentional, I think this year, as like I said, some past senior editors have been to make sure that we had a mix of those papers at the conference. And one of my favorite papers um, from the entire conference this year was an experimental paper that was presented as part of the Journal of the American Taxation Association Conference. Well, let's talk about it. I would love to. Uh, The paper is titled, When When is a Dollar Not a Dollar? Uh, by Ethan Lamoth, uh, Marshall, and Schwebke. That seems like a trick question. Right? Because we tend to think that a dollar should be worth a dollar, right? Regardless of the circumstances. And they're examining circumstances specific to the government trying to give you that dollar. Ooh, I I want a dollar. Yes. From the government. Tell me more. I will. Okay. Yes. So it could matter, gives you a dollar, like pays you a check. Okay. Right. Or they like reduce your withholding on your paycheck by a dollar. So you, in either case, I'm a dollar off better. Yes, you have an extra dollar mm-hmm. in your pocket. It's just that one is like, here, I'm waving my hands up and down and showing you that this is a dollar that I've given you. Yep. And the other is you, you're a dollar better off, but it just kind of came in your paycheck. And do you really notice the dollar on your paycheck? Okay, so can I, thing. can I make a prediction here? Okay. And see if this works. Because when I worked at PwC, yes. one year the managers got together, I was a staff, and they decided to surprise us with a $100 bonus in our paycheck. Okay. And by the time you take out withholding yes. and Social Security and Medicare and your parking and you didn't know what meals you were getting yes. reimbursed for, but nobody noticed it yeah. at all. I think morale would have been much higher and we would have been much happier had someone walked around and handed us each a $100 bill. Yeah, so that's one piece of it is how how much do you realize like, this is extra incremental yes. cash that I'm getting. Okay. Another element of these types of subsidies or grants or stimulus payments from governments that governments can tweak is, let's say they want to give you that $100 mm-hmm. over the course of the year. 
they could just mm. send you a check or reduce withholding by a hundred dollars in one, one period time, where okay. you get it all at once. Mm-hmm. Or they can meter it out pro rata over the years. So you end up with what, like $9 each month mm-hmm. to get to about a hundred dollars. Okay. So the timing of the payment, do you get it all frequency, at once? Yep. The frequency of the payment, do you get it all at once or is it metered out over time? It can also impact how you view that dollar. Okay. So we've got the, do you get it in a check or do you, you know, get it in some other benefit? Mm-hmm. Do you get it all at once or do you get it spread out over time? And the authors do a very nice job of showing that there are good predictions, like you said, uh, around, you know, getting that dollar mm-hmm. in, in cash versus in withholding. There are good predictions for how you might spend that mm-hmm. based on how yep. it's given to you versus save it. Got it. Similarly, there are good predictions about getting that lump sum versus having mm-hmm. it metered out over time. But the empirical literature has really struggled to show that things go in the predicted directions because the empirical literature has to take a policy as given. And that policy ah. might include both a lump sum payment and it's a check. So we can't right? tell what's driving what. We don't know which one is really driving the fact that you're much more willing to go spend that than save it, for example. And so this is the really one of the biggest benefits of the experiment is they get to create and yes. manipulate yes. the format of the policy to test very specifically what is driving the change in behavior. Exactly. Love it. Okay. So what do they find? They find, uh, as you suggested, that uh, you know if you receive that that payment, you're more likely to spend it as opposed to it's reduced ah, withholding or okay. something like that. Yeah. And the lump sum payments, uh, you know, you get it all at once as opposed to metered out over time. The idea is, well, you get that hundred dollars. Maybe you only spend seven of it and the rest you're like well gosh that would be a lot to spend today and so you save it for future consumption right so you're less likely to spend that lump sum payment twist because i would have taken the hundred dollars and just blown the whole thing so yeah i think i like policy relevant research yes i think experiments have a really unique and powerful place because they can inform policy design and so this uh paper these findings have implications for when the government is trying to design a program maybe like the child tax credit, something of that nature, where they're trying to transfer wealth from the government to individual taxpayers, maybe to boost spending. Mm -hmm. This paper is giving policymakers some really relevant insights into how to best design that policy. Yeah, I really like that aspect of this paper. And I like that aspect of the next paper that we're gonna discuss as well. Excellent point. We do have two really policy relevant papers to talk about. I think that's why we chose them. We did have a reason for doing that. Absolutely. Of course, it wasn't random chance. No, not Mm -hmm. at all. Um, So the next paper we're gonna talk about is by a PhD student at UNC, Daphne Armstrong, and a faculty at UNC, Stephen Kleiser. And they ask, does tax complexity discourage entrepreneurship? And that is a really big sounding question. It to is. Me. It really is. That yes. is what Bill Kenny would call a big potato. A big I think. potato. It's what Brad Heffer called a big fish. A big <laughs> potatoes fish. Okay. Yes, yes. It's all of those things. Yes. It's a large food item mm-hmm. that you could consume. And uh, I think you and I liked this paper because it's very similar to stuff we've talked about on this podcast before. Not directly mm-hmm. related, but we've yeah. talked a lot about the complexity yeah. of our tax code. We have. And how it can maybe is a waste of time, a waste of resources, maybe not the most efficient way to do things. Yes. I think we've discussed it mostly as like an annoyance. And mostly for individuals. Yeah. A little bit more Good for point. corporations, but mm-hmm. mostly for individuals, I yeah. think. Yeah. They're kind of taking it a step further and saying not 
only is the complexity of our tax system annoying and frustrating mm -hmm. and, and time consuming, but they're actually gonna provide some evidence that it discourages entrepreneurship. Yes. And that's a pretty bad thing. That Entrepreneurship is, I would say, one of the biggest things we try to encourage in the US, it seems. Yes. Especially via tax policy. And when you think about it, the ramifications of that, uh, how, how is it that you get tax revenue? You get companies that are successful. Right, and or, that- Or taxpayers, I should say, that are successful. successful that you need entrepreneurs to succeed. Yeah, yeah. To make money that you can then go ahead, make profits that you can go ahead and tax. Yes. Um, so I think for me, that was one of the big takeaways from this paper is that we're maybe kind of working against ourselves by writing a tax code that is so complex yes. that it's discouraging entrepreneurship, which is then not gonna lead to a lot of profits that the government can tax. Yeah. So there's a mechanism or, or a uh, assistance program that yes. they look at. So there's these taxpayer assistance centers. It's gonna get real confusing because that acronym is tax. <laughs> yes, it's, it's, so we're talking about taxes and tax that help you do yes. your taxes. Yes, ta be, tax be. being T-A-C, right? With an S at the end sounds like tax, uh -huh. which sounds exactly like tax. Yes, yes. <laughs> you see the problem. <laughs> okay, so maybe we'll call them T-A-C's. Let's do that. Okay, so, a, TAC or a taxpayer assistance uh, center mm -hmm. is a lo physical location that taxpayers can go to to seek help uh, with their tax problems. From the IRS. From the IRS. So it is a government yes. funded source of assistance. Free source yep. by government officials who work for the IRS. And presumably know what they're talking about. You would hope. Uh -huh. And they'll give it to you for free. So what the authors of this study are doing is they looked at these TACs over time and well done. you can see that there's variation in how many of these TACs are available in any zip code or any county at any particular time. So yes. they're able to sort of take advantage of the fact that these things open, they shut, mm -hmm. some of them are around forever. When you're doing archival research, ladies and gentlemen, you need variation. Yes, you do and they're able to find it with these TACs. And yes. so basically, very simply what they do in their analysis is they um, they look at how the availability, the supply mm -hmm. of these TACs, the openings and the closures, affects the level of entrepreneurship in a particular area. And they're doing that using data on startups. Yes. And the TACs in, in their argument, the reason we were talking about tax complexity, the idea is that they help reduce that tax complexity yes. burden on the taxpayer by being a free resource that the taxpayer can go to for assistance with filing their taxes. Absolutely. Very logical. And so punchline, long story short, they find that when there are more of these TACs available, yes. you see more startups in that area. Yes. So positive correlation between assistance with dealing with the complexity of the tax law mm -hmm. and the level of entrepreneurial activity in the area. And they do some additional analysis around the timing of the opening of a TAC and the timing of the effect of increased startups in the area. And they can say, uh, they can make the argument that there is a causal relation, that it's not just a correlation. Excellent. So two very policy relevant papers using two different methodologies, I think both of which trying to find ways to help our maybe struggling, mm -hmm. can I say struggling yeah. tax authority, yeah. uh, you know, try to do a better job. And mm -hmm. I commend both sets of authors for tackling really interesting questions. I agree. Good job picking some good papers. Thank you.
time for our favorite part of the program, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, so one good thing was that you got to do this at the JADA conference. You brought the concept of the good, the bad, and the ugly to, no. to the conference. <laughs> I did. I, I couldn't resist closing out the conference with a little good, bad, and ugly. It was pretty awesome. It was fun. Uh, so good. Oh. Yes. Something we forgot to talk about at the top of the episode. Tell me. This was the 50th. Oh, anniversary yes. of the American Taxation Association. Yes, it was. Happy golden anniversary to the ATA. Yes, and there were celebrations to be had. Yes. Um, we had special speakers, uh, including one who um, founded the ATA. Larry Crumley. Yeah, yeah, he spoke at the cocktail hour, which if you are imagining, if you are not in academia and you're imagining what the cocktail hour at the American Taxation <laughs> Association mid-year meeting is like, you are imagining correctly. <laughs> Um, and I nailed it. I do want to say that I'm very proud of you for attending the cocktail no, hour. No, for the first thing that you said about the cocktail hour was uh, talking about this, recognizing the speaker and not the platter of cheese. Okay, I, I'm glad you remember in that order. That is not the way it happened in my head. No, but <laughs> that was the thing that you chose to highlight. You That's hi true. That's you're true. highlighting the speaker. You're not highlighting the cheese platter, which, ladies the and gentlemen, cheese was platter was phenomenal. <laughs> It was really good. I mean, solid. Mm -hmm. And I don't have high expectations of conference food no. because I'm rational. Mm -hmm. um, but th like that, that was a cheese plate. I would be thrilled to order at a fancy restaurant like that. It was, it was good. It, and, and it was buffet. So mm -hmm. I did, I was not limited in my portions. No. Also, there were Belgian waffles. I mean, this was... And grilled cheeses? This was classy. I didn't even see the grilled cheeses. Yeah, the, the, the food was stellar it was at, a, it was at the 50th up. anniversary cocktail hour. Um, so dear dear listeners who are planners of next year's meeting, uh, take take note. Absolutely. So that was, that was the good. 50th anniversary and cheese. And we got to be together. Always a good thing. Always a good thing. Anything bad you want to talk about? Um, the, uh, saws, table saws, oh, chainsaws, yeah, the loud noises. And if it wasn't that, it was like really loud silverware clanking. Yes. Like how many spoons do we have yes. right behind the podium All when somebody's trying <laughs> to deliver a presentation? It was loud. It was noisy. Yeah. So the hotel situation was not, was not ideal. And it was a shame because it was a perfectly lovely hotel if there just hadn't been, you know, black garbage bag looking things blocking rooms off and, right. and jackhammers. On the floor and, yes. where we're holding a conference. Yeah. And oh, when we walked out of the elevator today, we almost tripped over some metal flashing or something that they were drilling. Oh, like it was, yeah, it was, it was just. And the smell it, today the smell too. smell was not great. Yeah. Okay. Enough about that. The hotel was not great. Being together, great. Cheese, yes. great. Hotel, not great. Yes. Ugly. Um, I'm just going to steal from the ugly that you used when you uh, closed out the conference. Thief. That we're gonna have to wait a whole year to be able to do it again. Wah, wah. Mm -mm. Till next time, see you in Dallas, ATA 2025. Well, that's all we have time for today. Be sure to join us for more tax nerdery on future episodes of Taxes for the Masses. 